Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. By we, I mean me, Peter Nicholas Dunn, Pete the Planner, and my my road dog, Damien Dunn. Hi, buddy. Hey, Nick. <laughs> no, don't call me that. I don't call you Andy. Uh, I called you my road dog. I don't even know what that means. I saw it in a show once. Nope. Let's just go. Okay. Uh, Dan, we got some questions this week. Uh, the first one isn't, uh, oh, here's how the show works. I, I I know you know, but others don't. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com, askpete at petetheplanner.com. We are the greatest in the world at answering financial questions. Does that sound like an overpromise? Likely. Is it an overpromise? No, we're amazing. I concur. Okay. Dame, I have been always on the lookout for ways to measure a person's financial health, a, a way to measure how's it gone? Like what, 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 what has happened? What has my role been in it? And recently I've come across the idea and I wrote a column about it recently in the Indianapolis Business Journal about comparing your assets, comparing a person's assets uh, to their career earnings and seeing what the retention of assets can tell you about your financial health. Are we on the same page so far? So far. On the surface, are you intrigued or does this seem harebrained? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to have a, a tool that would be easily usable for something like this. Turns out I spent the better part of two weeks developing said tool and uh, sent you several messages in the process that you made it better because you said, what about this? And I said, oh yeah. And then I'd fix it. And then we did that about 10 times. So Dane, what we're going to do right now, we're going to run through some scenarios of how you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm, cake. I, I should look up the origin of that saying because it feels like you don't, in most cases, you, you have your cake and eat it. You, you probably don't want to go look too far for that. Oh, really? We'll talk about it off air. Oh, no. Well, now I need to bang it right now. Oh, man, man and I'm uncomfortable. I feel like I need to write something down. Okay, Dame, here's the premise. Uh, I'm just going to start at age 22, despite the fact that I know that the vast majority of people that listen to the show are not, in fact, 22 years old. We start at age 22 and say you make a certain amount of money. And oddly enough, that amount of money you make at age 22 doesn't particularly matter for the calculation. What's important is how much of that money you set aside on a regular basis. And that is between you and your employer or just you or just your employer. Also, we have to pick a, a rate of return, a, a, rate, a long term rate of return. And guess which one I chose, Dan? Uh, you tell me. 8%. I always choose 8%. And then we have to choose a pay increase rate on an annual basis. That is to say a 3% raise a year, a 4% raise a year, a 5% raise a year. For, so our initial illustration, I'm saying a person makes $40,000. Again, the amount doesn't matter. Uh, they are 22 years old. They will contribute 12% of their income, which is the proper amount a person who is 22 should contribute to the long term. Let's say it's 8% them, 4% their employer. They will earn an 8% annual rate of return on those contributions. 
and they will receive a 3% annual pay increase. So far, are you up to speed with what I am spitting, my road dog? I think I'm catching it. Okay, so if you do this for your entire 45-year career, you will have earned, and starting at $40,000, so I guess that does matter, you will have earned $3,860,058 and, and 29 cents. Well, thank goodness for that 29 cents. It's a big deal. You know, you don't think about when you come out of college and you earn $40,000 or so for your first job that you're going to have a $3.8 million career earning number, do you? No, I. that thought never would have crossed my mind graduating college. And if you are putting 12% away of whatever your income is, and you are achieving an 8% rate of return, you will keep of your $3.8 million, $2 million, $947,845.45. Now, Dame, I think we need to define what it means to keep. Because obviously, you're not just keeping dollar for dollar. You're depositing money, some investments, and those investments are growing, creating new money. Sure. Right? Yep. So I don't want people to think it's just a matter of, oh, you're telling me you only spent, uh, well, they use this voice too. Well, you only spent uh, $800,000 in your entire life? No, 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 no. You spent a lot more than that but you grew the money you set aside. Uh, so Dame, that is to say, if done perfectly at age 22, it's conceivable that a person can have 76% of their career earnings in assets at retirement. Reflect. That's an amazing number. I, this, this little exercise that you put together uh, for, for the betterment of society, uh, and this is really eye-opening. Uh, and if I were in college right now or uh, a young professional within the uh, the earshot of, of the station that you're listening to or the podcast, man, this is motivation at this point to uh, start saving what you should be saving because these numbers are real. And it can be, um, you, know, you, you write your own story at that point when you go out to retire. Now, I do have to say... Uh, this calculator is fun for what you can do with it after you state the fact. Number one, of course, you can mess with the contributions. You can mess with the raise rate, the rate of return. Uh, here's a couple notes. Number one, if your raise rate is higher, let's say your raise rate is roughly 5% as, as opposed to 3%, it is much more difficult to maintain your career earnings, which was a, something I did not consider going in, but it is true. Also, I had fun saying, okay, well, I didn't really do what I should do until I was 28. So best case scenario for me is that I would have 59% of my career earnings at retirement because I started six years later. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It goes from 76% to 59% because I started six years late. Yeah, I mean, it's just that power of time, that advantage that, that we keep coming back to, it seems like on a, a fairly regular basis when we're discussing things like this, the, the more time you've got or the younger you are when you start saving for this goal. And that, there's just, there's power there that, you know, you have basically lucked into at that point, because for most people, you and me both, uh, we don't get serious about it until 
you know, a, a few years into the game and man, there's, there's not a lot you can do to counteract the, the, the truncation of time that you have. You know, you can go to your social security statement or ssa.gov and see your career earnings. You can find your tax records and you can estimate, but again, you're trying to find pre-tax. If your salary is $60,000, then that counts $60,000 towards your career earnings. Um, and then Dame, the other interesting thing I found is 20 years into a person's career, they should have one quarter of their career earnings, um, in net worth. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. I mean, gosh, I, these numbers, I'm looking at the spreadsheet. This just, um, I, I guess for a, a numbers nerd like myself and, and maybe you, it's just kind of a awe inspiring laying, seeing it all laid out in front of us like that, but it's, it's there. Uh, I hope people uh, can take it to heart and do something with it. My 20th year in the professional world is uh, in 2020. Graduated from college in the year 2000. So by the end of next year, I hope to run all this on my own and say, do I have a quarter of my career earnings and assets? Uh, I'm actually nervous to find that out. Well, we'll, uh, we'll all be waiting for the results of that on a very special Pete the Planner show. Sorry. Okay, coming up after the break, uh, we got a question about building credit and do student loan payments build credit? Uh, we'll address that next. Right here on the Pete the Planner show, Damien Dunn's here and I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. During the break, we talked about nothing really in particular. You missed nothing. How are the commercials? Good. Excellent. All right, Dame. Got an email from Shelby. Hi, Pete. My question is, does paying off student loans gain your credit? I don't know what that means. Oh, I have heard both yes and no from other people. Dame, what do you think this person means by does it gain your credit? You think it means improve your credit or count towards your credit? What, what do you think that means? I, I would guess uh, help improve your credit is what Shelby was going for. Yeah, do student loan payments count toward building credit? The answer, Dame, is... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a good rule of thumb is if you run your credit report, we highly recommend you do so at annualcreditreport.com. That's annualcreditreport.com, all one word. Uh, disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. We are not compensated for telling you that. It's just, it's the free, easy place to do it. Annualcreditreport.com. Dame, if you go there and you see a debt on your credit report and you are making a payment on it or you are in fact behind on your payment on it, it affects your credit. Yeah, that's uh, the simple and straightforward way to help you determine you know, one, of the, one of the big categories that, that's going to determine your uh, credit score. Let's take this opportunity to revisit what uh, constitutes your credit or what makes up for your credit score. How I'm, why am I saying that wrong? What am I trying to say? I, nobody knows. Okay. What are the factors that contribute to your credit score? Good sure. or bad? There are, yeah, that's yeah, sorry. There, there are okay. five categories, five categories. Damien category. Number one, start Num with you go. Number one, payment history. All right. So that is paying your bills 
on time. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're delinquent, then that means you have a poor history. If you are on time, it means you have a healthy history and it is the majority factor. But I guess since it's not over 50, is it called the plurality factor? Man, I did not know I was going to need a thesaurus today. Um, again, this has nothing to do with dinosaurs. I just want to know what plurality means. Um, 35%, right? 35%. You are correct, Pete. 35%. Well, you know, every once in a while, 35% of your credit score is based on just making your payments on time, which when people are like, I need to improve my credit and they always use that voice, just pay your bills on time. And if you haven't been and you start doing so for six months in a row for the first time in a long time, your, your score's going to go up a lot, right, buddy? Yeah, well, I, it's definitely not going to help. I mean, 35% of your score is determined by this one category. So pay your bills on time. You're going to get things going in the right direction. You know, there's also this idea of does it count if you're within your grace period? And the answer is no. You have to be, you know, your grace period is just that. It extends you some grace. But if you get beyond your 30-day grace period, if that is the grace period, then it can and usually does show up as a late payment on your credit. Yeah, and it matters if it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Uh, you know, the later it is, the the worse it is for your score. Excellent point. Dame, what is the number two factor in calculating a person's credit score? Number two, amounts owed. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, that, that would also fall within credit utilization ratio, Dame. So if you have a credit line of $1,000 to Hair Plugs R Us, hmm. and you had a balance of $600 American dollars on the $1,000 credit line, that is to suggest you have a 60% credit utilization ratio. And some pretty bad hair plugs. That's true. I don't know how much hair plugs are. I'm guessing way more than $600. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you know what? Let's stop talking about this. Um, you want your credit utilization ratio to be much uh, less than 60%. It used to be. I'm not sure if this is the, still the case, honestly, because I feel like I read something about it two months ago, uh, which for me means could be five years ago. You want it below 35%. You want your, your credit in use on any given li line below 35%. Do you have any reason to think it's different than that now? Because I feel like something changed. No, I... Uh I've seen, for some reason, I feel like I've seen 30, but I've also, I know I've seen 35% as well. So let's just, you want know, to split the difference. Let's say 32 and a half. Nobody says 32 and a half, but maybe we just start a new trend and say 32 and a half. We do know if your credit utilization ratio, if the amount of credit in use of a given line is above 50%, your credit score is going to get kicked straight in the neck. Ouch. That was some good play. Dame, what is the third factor? Oh, let's recap. For those just joining us, 35% of your score is based on paying your bills on time. Uh, what's the next factor? How much? 30% uh, amounts owed. Amounts owed is your credit utilization ratio. And what is next? 15% uh, credit history. Oh, yes. How long a line has been alive. Mm. You know, people mess this up. Because what they'll do is sometimes, and we'll hit this a little bit later too, is they'll get a new credit card that's clean, meaning they don't have any bumps on it. They don't have any late payments. And they'll think, well, we got good credit now. It's like, well, not exactly because there's no history on that card. Therefore, you've had less opportunity to make a mistake. And the, the credit bureaus are more concerned with your longevity of good decision making. 
Yeah, absolutely right. And one of the problems, uh, uh, one of the the common mistakes is, is you're pointing out is people will get a clean card and then close that other one. And they've essentially just terminated a bunch of credit history that's going to hurt them in the long run. Now, I guess it is worth mentioning how we advise people around here as to whether to close a credit line or not. You know, Dame, if you've got really good credit and you want to close a card you're not using, go right ahead, but know your score will trickle down because you've done that. Uh, however, if you're going to buy something significant on credit within the next 12 months or so, we generally recommend people do not close an older credit line because you don't want your score to dip before you go to borrow money. Yep. Just, uh, make sure there's no balance on it, leave it open, uh, and, and leave it there until you make that purchase that you need to do. And be on the lookout for annual fees that will get tacked onto there. And if you're used to not making a payment on it, then you can actually go in default because of all that. So it's also a reason to run your credit report every year and to stay abreast of your own financial situation. Category four. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Category four, types of credit and use. That makes up 10% of your score. This one actually makes me angry. I feel like I want to knock all my own teeth out, replace them with candy corns, and go, ah. I'd watch that. (laughs) I think I would too. Um, I'm upset about this because what it says is you need different types of credit. You need you know, student loans. You need credit card debt. You need a uh, car loan. You need all these, did I already say that? You need all these different types of things in order to show that you can handle diverse credit. That drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I don't like this one either. I don't know if I go as far as knocking my own teeth out, but I don't like it. I remember, do you want to hear a story, Dame? I, in the time we have remaining, go for it. A few years ago, when I refinanced my mortgage um, or something, I remember the bank sent me a letter and said, your score is fine, but it could be better if you had different types of credit lines too. So you might want to consider taking on different credit lines to show that you can handle different credit lines. And let me guess, they suggested a home equity line? Well, of course. Yeah. Um, That sort of logic, again, makes me want to knock out my own teeth, replace them with candy corns, which is a very common practice in the anger management uh, arena, right? Noted. You know, I never consider that concept of knocking my own teeth out uh, and then replacing with candy corns, but I know I've considered it three times on this segment and I've voiced that concern three times. Thank you. And finally, uh, last category inquiries of, of your score and new credit 10% each, right? Or total. Uh, total. Yeah. Yeah. So if you keep going to see how good your credit is, uh, or actually someone, a lender does that on your behalf, that is bad. And if you get new credit and it's all fresh, that can be bad too. For more tips on that, go to PeteThePlanner.com. Dame, coming up after the break, other things. Actually, I don't know what we're talking about, but we'll figure it out on the break. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame found a great question during the break. And by found, I mean you found a great question during the break. Dear Pete, I am feeling totally lost with this whole money thing. My husband and I have been married for two years. Oh, Dame, I'm playing a role. Oh, My husband and I have been married for two years, and we have an amazing 15-month-old son. I'm going to pause you there. 
Do we know that kids can be amazing at 15 months yet? I think they're almost all amazing at 15 months. So that's a good point. Uh, Before we met, I had my financial life totally together. Thanks to you. Oh, wow. Dame, I want you to know that you just sent me this email and I did not know that it was really praise for me. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I apologize to the audience. Both of you. Uh, Thanks to you, I'd shed over $25,000 in debt in roughly 18 months and was living life on a budget. Then enters my husband with his own debt, almost 100000 American dollars in student loan debt alone. Then, right before our wedding, I lost my job. That's when it all started. We pulled from our emergency fund. I started consulting to bring in some income, and he picked up extra hours to help cover the bills. I'm going to hit a pause here for a second. Good for her. Yeah. That's what you do. You scramble. I love it. Uh, A few months later, I was offered a full-time job. Yay. Our troubles were over. But wait. I love her. This is great. I feel like this is Halloween worthy. But wait. What does that stick say? Pregnant. Oh, my gosh. That got graphic. We got pregnant on our honeymoon. So in a matter of months, our whole world was turned upside down. We're having a kid. How do you get pregnant on your honeymoon? Oh. Uh Uh-huh. So we need a house to raise them in. Cha-ching. I think you get where I'm going with this. Did I mention I had a baby with no medical coverage? So we paid everything 100% out of pocket. Boo. So here we are, two years later. Are you laughing? Yeah, I am. We Not at me. I'm, the dramatic reading, I think, is fantastic. If we had some music to play underneath it, it would totally make the difference here. We have great medical coverage, finally. Yay. But that costs us over $700 a month out of my check. We have a hefty mortgage, two car payments, medical bills we're still paying off, and tons of student loan payments. But hey, no credit card debt. Yay. I think. Since we moved in, we've had to spend a lot of cash fixing things at our new house. Why don't they ever tell you this before you move? Anyway, so here I am, freaking out 24-7, wishing away all this debt that I feel is killing me one day at a time, suffocating, maybe. Please just help. We have a $21,000 emergency fund savings. Neither of us are saving into our 401ks. Our monthly bills, all in, even groceries, are about 5500 American dollars per month. And we bring in 6700 a month, not including overtime hours. Should we take some time, take some of our money out of savings to pay something off? Send help, Emily. And that's all we, that was pretty good, right? Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's, that's going to be an award winner right there. I don't even know what she said. I was just too busy uh, entertaining. What what's happening here? <laughs> so they hit up. They hit some bumps. Life all happened at once. Yep. They're on the treadmill now. This isn't that unusual, which is not a solution. But uh, dude, this is common, right? We see this every oh, yeah. stinking day. Yeah, absolutely. They are. It's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In in the the grand scheme of things, I I, I don't want to minimize her her concern, but and maybe just reassure her she's they're doing okay they, they can they can make this this work with very little uh changes here and i yeah i think the key is to 
figure out what the number one priority is. And if I get to choose, because I already fixed your life once, it would be an emergency fund, right? Well, they've they said they've already got a nice one established. They said their their expenses are fifty five hundred a month, and they've already got uh, twenty one grand set aside in emergency fund savings. So they're you know they're right at you know, five uh, four, sorry four months of emergency funds. So they're they're solid on funds, but they don't have four hundred one ks set up yet, which is is an issue. They they need you know, we just covered that in the the first uh first segment the you know the the younger you can get started on this the better off you're going to be in the long run so um definitely have some some things that need changed but i think they're in a position to be able to do it you know what's so ridiculous is that i really did spend so much time trying to read that in a funny way that i blew right past that they had an emergency fund well it's understandable i mean drama takes a lot of uh focus and you know, you, you sold out for the for the uh the reading and I appreciate that. And I, I think she does too. All right. So, so they basically can save, you know, a thousand to $1,200 a month towards retirement and they should absolutely do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've got their, uh, the medical debt that they're still paying off from, I'm assuming the child, but I don't know. Um, but they don't really uh, list too much else. The two car payments, uh, the, the mortgage, but nothing, Nothing terribly outrageous and tons of student loan payments, but they're managing. I mean, they've still got a margin of 1200 bucks a month. So uh, I'm in the same spot you're at, Pete. I would suggest that they start getting serious about saving for retirement at this point and bake in, try and find some other ways or use that overtime, whatever, whenever that overtime money comes in, throw that at your debts and don't, don't consume it. Don't like get some, some lifestyle creep into your your situation use that money wisely and pay down those debts with that can i hit you with what might be considered to be a controversial idea sure if her 15 month old is so amazing why doesn't he have a job you know i i hadn't my 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 brain hadn't gone that way it's it's the reason we keep you around for stuff like this freaking lazy baby um okay uh you know, the other thing that they need, they need to set a standard for what overtime is used for. When overtime is a arrow in your quiver, you should use it to accomplish something, not just have more spending money. And so if they want to go on a vacation, they should try to fund it with overtime. If they want to get a new Davenport, hmm. they should so get it with what? Are they? Do they have to keep the plastic on it? Yes, they do. And they also have to get a time machine so they can go back and find a store that sells Davenport. Okay. But I think overtime or bonuses should always fund something specific. It's the old, hey, if you have a part-time job, which uh, overtime in a way is a part-time job, give your job a job. Because if it just goes into the pot of money, you're going to become dependent on it. And that becomes a major, major problem. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. If, if there's uh, some unexpected, uh, money that, that comes my way. If it doesn't have a job, well, it's going to get spent on something silly and well, it might provide me a little bit of uh, joy up front, but it's not going to be its best use of, of money. Emily didn't mention life insurance, did she? No. Okay. So, I mean, anytime someone talks to me about their kids and we're digging through their financial life, you got to get life insurance, Emily, $6,700 a month. I mean, I'm guessing their household income is probably a hundred, well, a hundred thousand or so. Yeah, probably, probably right about just, there. Yeah, you know, right in there. 
Uh, life insurance wise needs to be 10 times the income for each earner. So if one person's making 60 and the other person's making 40, the person with person with 60 needs at least 600,000 person with 40 needs at least 400,000. Frankly, I think they probably could both get away with about a half million each. That, yeah. That's, that's yeah. my gut. Sure. You know, at 42, I feel like we talked about life insurance about this time last year for me, it's fall, you know, leaves are falling off the trees. People are dying. Um, at almost 42 years old and you are now 42 happy birthday this week my friend thanks um and i, I gotta i gotta think the last time we did our my life insurance was when ted was born so that was you know gonna be eight years ago which means i've got 17 years left on that policy that works yeah i don't know why i brought all this up all right dame we're taking a break oh well we oh oh not yet here's what we're gonna do after the break though something very special something we've never done on this show before it's called the biggest waste of money of the week. It's where we find one item, one service, one idea that is such a tremendous waste of money that it really should be government sanctioned. And then we will hit the current events of the week. Dame, happy birthday once again. I'll talk to you after the break. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is... Hey, before we get going, Dame, I have to mention this. I don't know. Did you see on Twitter yesterday posted about my friend just donating a kidney to a random person? No. All right. So we broadcast uh, out of Indianapolis, Indiana, kind of. I do. You're up in northern Indiana. We broadcast all over the place, but I'm here in Indianapolis. And like one building over from me is uh, a, a different radio station that's not part of our cluster but one of the uh, on-air talent uh, over there is a, is a woman by the name of Nikki Reed. Uh, she's donating a kidney. She's a healthy, young 30-something. Donating a kidney on an altruistic manner to whoever needs it. She was just, she saw this thing and she's like, you know what? I want to do something significant. So she went and got all these tests, found out that she could just donate a kidney to whoever needs it. And so in December, they're going to take one of her kidneys and just giving it to someone she doesn't know. There are so many questions here. Yeah, there are a lot of questions. I'll send you the article, but I just have to, she's a friend of mine. I have to say, that's amazing. It's so inspiring. Like I can't, I'd like to think I'm that type of person, but as it turns out, I'm not because I'm not going to do that. But that's incredible. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It'd be really impressive if she'd give up her second one too. This week's biggest waste of money of the... Damn, that was really dark. <laughs> I, I, that's not what I meant. I should have her on the show and see if we can like bid for it in like a reverse Dutch auction or something for it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this week's biggest waste of the money of the week is Gillette Labs heated razor. It's hard to beat the comfort of a hot towel shave. The Gillette heated razor promises to provide a similar experience instead of a towel. This German-designed grooming tool uses a warming bar to heat your skin, soothing it as the five anti-friction blades rid your face of hair. It offers you two heat settings, 109 degrees Fahrenheit and 122 degrees Fahrenheit, that it monitors with four sensors for a consistent temperature and is fully waterproof for use at the sink or in the shower. Flex Disc Tech helps maintain skin contact 
for a smooth shave, and the built-in lithium-ion battery heats the bar in just one second. Lasts up to six shaves per charge and juices up wirelessly on the included display stand. $200. Dame, here's the thing. It's waterproof. Just heat it under the hot water, you dummy. I think that's how people have been doing it for possibly quite literally centuries. Can I ask you what seems like it's going to be a very personal, intimate question? Go for it. At what temperature do you prefer hot metals placed on your face? 109 degrees Fahrenheit or 122 degrees Fahrenheit? Those are your choices. I'm just curious as to what island you reside on. Uh, Probably 109. (laughs) Loser. I don't know. How can you tell a difference at that point? It just seems... Man, I, it gets me nervous just thinking about sticking something piece of hot metal on my face. That's strange. That's two hundred dollars. Yeah, you have hot water. Yeah. So that, that, that I biggest... that I can control. Right. I don't know the temperature. Yeah. But, but for three hundred dollars, you could buy a digital thermometer, and then problem solved. Perfect solution. Dame, do you have a biggest waste of money of the week? I, I do. Whether you actually like Star Trek Discovery or find it to be an absolute disservice to a beloved franchise, you can't deny the show has some killer visuals, from the cinematography and wonderful effects to the gorgeous set design and well-appointed outfits. The whole show is quite the visual feast. And if you can see yourself rocking the Discovery version of Starfleet uniforms, you just might be interested in the Volant Design Starfleet jacket. That's right. You can now dress up like you're a crew member of the USS Discovery so you can go to work in the morning pretending you're doing something cool with your life. Sure, you'll get to work and wake up to the fact that you work in a boring office instead of an exciting starship somewhere in deep space. But for the few minutes you're actually able to maintain the illusion, you'll be happy. Sounds worth it to me. The price for this uh, this beautiful jacket? $300. Sorry, $330. It went up while I was washing. Oh my, See, that doesn't seem like a good use of money. I mean, I don't know. I've grown to the point where if people like Star Trek, I'm not going to scream like, nerd alert, you know, hashtag weirdo. I don't feel that way at all. But, um, you know, Hopefully it keeps you warm. I, I Yeah, I kind of guess it doesn't. A study suggests that nearly two-thirds of Uber customers don't tip their drivers. Dame, how many Ubers slash Lyfts do you take in the course of one calendar year? <sighs> Way less than 10. Okay, I'm going to go for me. I've been renting cars more on the road because this. Uh, I'm going to go 20 for me. Okay, maybe 30. Do you tip? Yes. You do? Yeah, I do. So you just go in there and enter a tip based on the drive. That's what you do. The drive, the uh, the conversation, any snacks that might be there. You know, I got to admit, I don't. I tip a lot of things. I don't tip my Uber. I, I use Lyft, but I don't, I don't tip. Do I don't you, know why. Do you tip when you order carry out and go pick it up? Yes, I did that last night. Really? 10%. I don't, man, I, I, someone uh, said in an article I read not too long ago, they said they have tip fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. I, man, my stuff's never that good. That's really funny. I, I have tip fatigue. 
I have things that I regularly tip and others that I don't. And I have no open slots on my tip lineup. Interesting. Do you do like when you fly to New York and let's go back before Uber and Lyft was, was popular. Did you tip your cabbie? Yes. So. Because it had to do with who owned the medallion. Hmm. Okay. I don't, I, I don't know if I can justify <laughs> any decision I've ever made under this sort of pressure. You're really, really grinding my gears. Well, don't worry. It's almost over. A study by, I don't know, it was in GQ, said millennials might have to save 40% of their income if they want to retire. Dame, I know a thing or two <laughs> about this topic. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I think that was a little, uh, little attention grabbing. I I hate stuff like that because then that perpetu- perpetuates this myth that like, it, you know, previous generations have ruined everything. Yep. They, they, now I have to say forty percent of my. No, you don't. You just don't. That's not true. I uh, I bet you there was some government dollars that funded that study too. Dame uh, Yahoo Finance says you can stay in a real-life Barbie dream house for only $60 a night. Tell me more. I'd rather not. It's a Malibu Airbnb uh, in Malibu, California, and it uh, looks like Barbie's dream house, and it's $60 a night. Uh, do you want some old guy time with me real quick? Yeah, let's do it. I The Airbnb thing freaks me out. No, I don't totally. want to stay in someone's house. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know what they got happening. Like, we've got coworkers here, like the young, cool ones. Not you and me, but the young, cool ones here. They're always Airbnb. I have no desire to do that. No. And, like, some people are listening for, like, the first time or second time. They kind of liked me up until this point. They're like, oh, he's an old fuddy-duddy. No, that's who I've always been. I am an old fuddy-duddy, and I don't apologize for it. What, What if it was free to stay at an Airbnb? No, I wouldn't do it. I don't want to do it. I, I was so uncomfortable. I like I'm I'm I can be honest, I'm cringing and slash shivering right now thinking about just rolling into someone's crib that I don't know, that I met on the internet, and just tucking away in their twin bed. Yeah, I could I don't do want it. any part yeah, of it. I can't do it either. I'll ride in someone's car and then not tip them, but I'm not gonna sleep in someone's bed at a discount when they're sleeping in the house too. Like wh- what? Makes, makes total sense. You'll spend uh, time with strangers in a mobile vehicle. Deadly advice. Yeah, but but not That's why home. I rent cars more now, man. Yeah. Honestly, I think it might be. Hey, Dan, that's all we have time for this week. I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Happy birthday to you this week. And uh, in about another month, I will join you at your age. Yay. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>